Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness, and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic that makes you look or feel good with long form, unbiased, and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure, and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. So we're joined by the one and only Michelle Kearney. Here I am. <laughs> Royalty in Australian aesthetic terms. Yeah. Well, I don't know. A lot of people say the prized cow, you know. <laughs> I've been in the industry for so long. Do you hear what long. they say about Jake and I? Cows are holy in India. So. That's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so when people think about cosmetic and medicine in Australia and the aesthetic industry, it's pretty hard to think about it without your name coming up, especially in terms of the way, I guess, you pioneered uh communication in terms of publications of like Bella Media, Cosmetic Surgery Magazine. Those are really the first things that I remember seeing yeah, when I absolutely. came into the industry. How did you sort of, how did this all start for you? I mean, how I did know, you have this crazy idea to start these publications? Well, it's crazy. So you know that I, I was working as a pharmacist. No. Yeah, well, you know, well, I 20... do because I was researching you, but I then oh, when, I, you when I sent it to you to proofread, you said, no, it's old. It is old. Well, it is. It was 20 years ago, you know. Um, and then my... Then husband, um, we, we actually got an embassy posting to Italy. Right. Yeah, which was fantastic. So I had two years of not working in pharmacy and I thought I can never go back to that, you know. Yeah. And through the embassy we'd made friends with quite a few sort of, you know, Italian plastic surgeons and whatnot and we were out at dinner one night and, um, you know, he was complaining, this plastic surgeon was complaining about a woman who had come in and said, you know, I, I want to look exactly like that woman, you mm. know, who was the sort of, you know, very sexy, voluptuous newscaster, you know, broadcaster that they had. And she was not that woman, you know. <laughs> yeah, and right. But she couldn't understand why he couldn't make her into that. And he said, you know, there's just nowhere that people can find out things and it's all, you know, whispers. And I thought, oh, that's quite interesting because, you know, before then, people had just sort of gone away on a holiday and miraculously come back looking <laughs> refreshed and people would say, well, you look different, you know. So when I came back to Australia, I, I, I thought, you know, I'm going to, to start a magazine that really just gives the general public and anyone who's thinking about having a procedure information about the procedures. So unbiased information because, yeah. you know, you can go and have a couple of different consultations and be told different things. And that's really how it started. And it it was the first of its kind. Um, even in the US, there wasn't anything like that. And uh, actually, it was a bit traumatic, <laughs> you know, to start with because there was quite a lot of um, resistance from the media, uh, you know, and they, I was on, you know, the 7.30 report and, you know, with Kerry and mm -hmm. O'Brien, you know, and, and the questions were always, aren't you playing on women's vulnerabilities? Mm. And... Uh, you know, my answer to that is it's the opposite. You know, to me it's a sort of post-feminist thing. You know, you you can't say to women, you know, you, you have to do with your body what we think you have to do. And it's a bit like, you know, you, you can't line people up and go, you can't have it, you can't have it, oh, you're ugly, you can have it. You, you know, it's yeah. about people's own decision. Yep. So for me it was more about sort of empowering people to to do research, have an in, informed sort of base to make a decision and then go for it, you know. 
What year was that? When did you start it? 22 years ago, 98. So or pretty much pre-internet when yeah, most absolutely. people had internet. Yeah, absolutely, pre-internet. And, and it was a Chinese whisper thing, you know, like nobody wanted to admit it. You know, and I'm sure we'll get onto that later. That's one of the biggest changes that's been in the industry. Um, Nobody, I mean, not only pre-internet, it was pre-Botox. Yeah. Yeah. You know, how did we live? (laughs) It was like, you know, it was pre-Botox. It was pre, I think the only thing I I remember in the first issue, you know, collagen, that was it. That was the, even their ad, that was the gold standard. You know what I mean? I'd have loved to have played with that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, really. And everybody else, uh, it was either lasers, you had a lot of people walking around with white faces, you know, mm-hmm. um, or surgery, you know, so they they were really your options, yeah. Right. And how did you sort of combat that, I guess, that criticism of, you know, preying on, on people's you know, vulnerabilities and insecurities? How do you sort of respond to that? Well, I think when you're true to yourself, you know what I mean? So ethically I... Even through my life, you know, I try and empower women. You know, I like to have mentored a lot of fabulous young women through Bella Media. And I just, um, I'm very pro, you know, women having the ability to choose. And, mm. I, and I'm sort of, even today, you know, with the glass ceiling, the whole thing is, you know, women aren't strong enough to make their own decisions when, you know, they need to be guided. And I'm all about, no, do your research, get information and, and do it for yourself, you know. I'm going to dangle a little curveball into there. Yeah, sure. What about empowering men? Because that seems to be the the kind of elephant in the not the elephant in the room, but we still struggle to get men to really do this stuff. You know, we were talking on I can't remember which podcast it was a couple of ago that where we maximum ten percent of my patients are men. Yes, most injectors may be similar or lower. You know, you get the occasional um, injector who attracts men, but it. it you know, men are difficult to tap into. Particularly straight men? Um, yes. Um, but, you know, I work in Surrey Hills. Yeah. And, and yet still I don't see many men. Yeah, right. So well, it's I interesting. Think, I think it's changing and I think uh, it's interesting that you say empowering because, you know, I have a lot of friends who are hair transplant surgeons yeah. and with their marketing they often say it's the woman who decides, you know, it's the partner of the yes. man. Um and uh, this is really interesting because it ties into something we're having at Cosmeticon ah. about people asking for permission. Yes. So one of the talks, and I'm sorry I'm digressing, but we have a female plastic surgeon who's great, and she said the, the biggest thing for her is that the patients come in, go through the consultation, and they're still saying, like, so do you think it's okay for me to do it? You know, so if it's like that for women with cosmetic enhancement, it's much more for men. And I think the pink market is about probably only 10% as yeah. well, isn't it, you know, so. I mean, you, you know, you, you deal with advertisers and sponsors and companies. All of the marketing the marketing that I see is, is women-driven. Yes, yes. It's women imagery. Yes. It, it's a bit floaty, fluffy, flowery. Mm. Mm. Uh, even clinic design that you see, it, it, mm. it doesn't really sort of well. capture men. And then you go the opposite way and there's these men-only clinics. Well, I don't know. I think, I think that there is... Uh, logic in it you know I mean you, you know you've you've got the man cave um, men do feel safer in packs you know what I mean yeah. mm. um, but I think it just comes down to common sense marketing you know you spend your dollar in the major part of the market so you don't want to have a scattergun effect if 90% of you are women possible are women that's where you're going to spend the money yeah you know? no I just wonder how how we turn that turn that tide slowly well don't you think I think a lot more men are 
using skincare, are using hair products. Even now, if you have a look at all the barber shops, it's not like run in, run out. It's it's a, more of a pampering experience. So I think slowly, slowly, men are becoming more sort of metrosexual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing uh, clinics now that have more neutral marketing, which is so it's not overly feminine, it's yes. not overly masculine, but it's yes. somewhere where both sexes would feel quite comfortable walking into. Well, again, it depends, doesn't it, on on the procedures that are yeah. offered. I mean, you know, if you're doing mummy makers and breast yep. augmentations, you're going to be different to doing just injectables or laser. Yep. So I imagine that that sort of non-gender marketing with those sort of places would be more effective anyway. Yeah. And I think men probably um, more comfortable with like your hair and body contouring. So things like, you know, the beer belly, mm. there seems to be a lot more. Why did you look at me when you said beer belly? <laughs> I was I'm rubbing my own stomach. <laughs> Um, I think men have lost a bit of weight. Thank you very much. You're looking very svelte. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did notice that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And young too, and young. <laughs> uh, um, sorry, so I went off on a tangent there. So you, you were telling us about your first um, sort of foray into the, the yes. journal world. Yeah, and yeah, then yes. when did that morph into aesthetic medical practitioner? Oh, gosh. Well, aesthetic medical practitioner has only been four years. So we had really 18 years of, of print of Cosmetic Surgery Magazine, which yep. was... The first, the pioneer, it was uh, then copied in America. Um, but then you see, and, and David, you hit the nail on the head, it was pre-internet. There was nowhere else. Mm. So what happened was, you know, it started to be eroded in a good way. I mean, not good for me in a business way, but in a good way for the public because every magazine started to have something about, you know, cosmetic enhancements and then the internet. So I think that um, it was just a, you know, I, I guess uh, an evolutionary thing that for me it, um, n- not being at the forefront of that anymore because it was everywhere, yeah. it was more logical then to go to with the expertise that I'd already sort of got to the doctors because um, as you know, you know, it's quite a political arena. It's not, um, is it? <laughs> <laughs> little understanding. <laughs> no, but, but a, a lot of medicos are um, – isolated in their practice, you know, so they don't have a lot of interactions. So I try to make it extremely interesting in as much as it has news, global news, what's happening um, and lifestyle as well. And the interesting thing since that started with COVID, I think everybody's feeling more isolated. So the magazine has become more popular um, because, you know, less face-to-face with obviously the trade and all of the companies and whatnot. Yeah. And they really want to know what's happening out there, you know? Yeah, yeah. interesting. So we spoke about the challenges that you had about politically and also, I guess, creating a space that didn't exist. But from a business perspective, I'm in, interested to know what the challenges were in terms of, you know, finding your location, getting your right staff, you know, working capital, all these sorts of things yes, that, yeah. you know, you and I and Jake to a certain extent be aware of that people don't see. Yes. All these yes. intangible challenges that go on behind the scenes that are really quite full on when you're starting a business. Well, I think for me coming into it, you know, I thought with a pharmacy background, oh, you know, medicine, aesthetic medicine will be different. So I, I, it was a very, very steep learning curve in as much as, you know, what was going on with all of the different industry bodies, what the politics were. Each of those bodies were trying to make a demand on me um, and I decided before even the first issue went out that I would be totally independent and not tie myself to anyone. Um, 
and you know, sitting on the fence for twenty years has been a bit uncomfortable. You yeah. know, but but <laughs> I, I I see it from all points of view. I just try and steer away from it. So, for example, in aesthetic medical practitioner, we have to report on what's happening in the industry. So we go to all of the industry bodies and give them a voice. Yeah. You know, um, it's. Um, yeah, it's been a, an interesting ride. In the beginning, obviously, magazines work on, you know, the advertising model. So the advertisers, that money pays for it. Mm-hmm. Um, cosmetic surgery magazine was available in news agents, mm-hmm. but aesthetic medical practitioner is a free subscription to medical people. So they have to be APRA registered to receive it because it's the only magazine that Schedule 4s can be mentioned by name and discussed and talked about. So yeah. we're very strict with that. Um, but, look, the first... Issue by the first issue, I was already cash flow positive because it was just such an amazing. I couldn't believe it. You know, I'd never sold anything before, and I didn't consider that I was selling. But you know, everybody jumped on board and just thought this is a great idea. You know, so in that respect, um, we were cash flow positive, and and I was very lucky to be taken under the wing of um, David Hickey, who was the ex editor of the Sydney Morning Herald, and then had Gadfly. So he already published, um, you know, Luxury Travel Magazine and Australian Art Collector. So he sort of taught me the ropes with that. So I shared office space there. And then as I grew, our offerings grew, you know, we did PR, we did marketing, we did events. So then we moved down to Double Bay and we were there for 11 years, you know. So For people listening who maybe do not come across the journal or people internationally, can they get your journal internationally? Can they? Yes. So the magazine is hard copy here yeah. and it's free. If you, you know, anybody just emails michelle at bellamedia.com.au, we can add them to the mailing list as okay. long as they're a registered uh, healthcare practitioner. And it is online. So it's a digital edition online at the website. And it comes out quarterly, is that correct? Quarterly, yes, and, that's And right. it's just, like you said, it's news, global news, what's new, devices, a bit all, of sponsorship. Yeah, all of that, all of that, yeah. What's awesome. happening. Yeah. Do you do it in different languages yet? No, not yet. But stay tuned because we <laughs> yeah. do, you know, we have consumer um, publication Cos Beauty. Right. So, so I guess, you know, that's an interesting thing to explain to people because Australian Cosmetic Surgery Magazine, then morphed into Bella Beauty magazine because, you know, the the differential between aesthetic enhancement and beauty has just narrowed and narrowed and narrowed. You know, now it's sort of interchangeable, isn't mm. it? You know, people don't think that having filler or, or Botox, et cetera, is really medical anymore, which, you know, in one way is not good because they have to be aware of the risks. But you know, it, it's all in the same breath, isn't it? It's so available. Yeah, and yeah. it's so available and so accepted. So, um, you know, the the um, the magazine then became Cos Beauty magazine because it was sort of cosmetic and beauty. Um, and then we just have gone completely digital. So we've got the cosbeauty.com.au, which I think we talked about before. It's just mind-blowing, you know. Yeah. like So now we have the digital magazine and the reach is just phenomenal. You know, the last magazine that that's up there you know we've had over 11 million readers that's crazy it's crazy you know and we put the other one up in a month it was already up to three million readers um and these figures are not coming from me you know it's too easy to to, yeah you know that's from the third party um you know, magazine platform that we have it on, yeah. you know. So, you know, it's it's growing. It's crazy So those stuff. subscribers, are they, are they sort of, they've, they've been collected over your 20 years of being in the industry or, or how no, have they come from? No, it's really in the last, um, 
I'm going to say two years that it's gone. It started four million, then five, six million. I've got all those figures. You know, I have to give, happy to give them to you, um, because. I think globally as well, you know, the reach as you, you know, the internet and we do a lot of, um, you know, for example, we do have a lot of sort of celebrity things in it, you know, has she or hasn't she? Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest one came when, I can't remember if it was J-Lo or Beyonce, you know, we did something on the Brazilian butt. No, it might have been the Kardashians, sorry. Um, The Brazilian butt and they tagged it, you know, so then it was just like we got like 2 million readers like overnight and then I think they've all just, kept on. So now, we, you know, we know that. So obviously you have a lot more celebrity stuff as well. Mm. You know. So how do you go about starting, a, like, so you've got your next issue coming out in a quarter. Yes. Talk, talk, talk us through that process. How do you, do you sit down and have a, a meeting with your staff and go, this is how much content we need to fill. These are the stories that we want to get. Like, how do you, yeah, absolutely. How, how does that all work? Uh, the, the medical one, the aesthetic yes. medical practitioner. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what we do is we have editorial meetings um, yeah. and look, I'm so lucky because, you know, my staff have been, you know, my designer's been with me for 21 years. That's incredible. Bill's been with me 15, Amy 13, you know. (laughs) So it's like, you know, we're a very tight team and we all know what we're doing. So we have an editorial meeting where we come up with ideas of things that are happening in the industry, both globally and locally. Um, So a lot of it will be, you know, changes in regulations or, um, you know, at the moment there's a big thing about, you know, lasers, um, you know, non-licensed practitioners. Um, Patient safety is always a big one. So we'll sit down, we'll do Hmm. those. We also have uh, freelance writers that we will give articles to. And, um, in fact, you know, things come full circle. David Hickey does a lot of our sort of um, the government ones where we'd want to do that. Um, And then we always have to talk about, you know, what's an interesting lifestyle thing, what's coming up, you know, whether it be at an art gallery or something like that. And, of course, what's new, you know. And then it's all hands on deck and off you go. Yeah. And three months goes in like a minute. (laughs) Yeah. It was funny you just sort of mentioned um, that patient safety line and, you know, I think no one wants to make light of that. It always should be about patient safety. But it it seems like that, that particular line is used a lot of the time for one fraction faction of this industry yes. shitting on another. You are so right. And it, it just infuriates me because it's so disingenuous. Yes. And it's obviously driven by, and I'm probably going to get a hate for this, but I'm, it's me saying it, not Jake, so I'm, I'm probably can get away with it. But you see people hide behind that that line to to shit on an, another another faction of the industry. And and it's just, I don't, under, I don't understand it. It's 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 because I, I think the more negativity that you put out there, it just sort of it casts everyone in a bad way. I don't think that negativity is ever good for the industry. Yeah, and I think um, I hundred percent agree with you that what it does is it scares patients. But I have to disagree. I don't think that they're consciously using it as an excuse. I believe that every, as you say, faction yeah. truly believes it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that, um, you know, and that's what I was saying before, I see it from both sides, you know. So uh, it's a bit like, you know, every war that's ever been fought has been in the name of God. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Um, they all believed it, whether it was right or wrong is a different matter. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things for me, I guess, the biggest thing that ties into that since I've started is it truly was a patient-centric industry, you know, like people really, really cared about the patients. And I think that uh, it has become much more a dollar-centric industry. 
and uh, you know I do pe- beat the patient safety drum yeah. because to me it is important. Yeah, of yeah. course. Um, and uh, you know, there's always been you know people worried about turf wars and all of yeah. that stuff, and it doesn't matter which group you belong to. There's always somebody that you think is below you or treading on your toes, and and the whole time through the 22 years I've just, I've, I haven't bought into any of that, yeah. you know. And for me, you know, I've obviously, you know, not made enemies because I think, you know, I've lasted this long because I I try to be fair. Yeah. Um, but I just, I haven't bought into it in the magazine and I refuse to. You know? I mean, you know, you're a journalist and I guess to, to an extent we're now journalists because, you know, we're doing a podcast and anyone, you know, within reason can come on the podcast and say what they feel. Yes. So we ourselves have to have some sort of, um, you know, put our biases to the side. You know, I'm a, I'm a cosmetic doctor, but, that, you know, so yes. I'll have my own views because that's what yes. I do. But, yes. you know, as, as a podcaster and, and I'm guessing as a sort of a magazine editor, you, you, like you said, you just everyone has to be able to have a voice. Yes, and the other thing, Jake, is we understand it, but the general public doesn't. You know, to them it's just a, a jumble of letters, you know, these letters against those letters. Get, who, You know, and I mean, you know, every patient thinks that their doctor is the best doctor yeah. because nobody's going to go to the, oh, my doctor's the second best doctor. <laughs> yeah. You know, you choose your doctor because you believe that. And so it's... Obviously, you know, credentials, experience is so important, as is empathy and truly caring and an aesthetic attitude, you know. So there is somebody for everybody, but there is the fringe element that is should be for nobody, Yeah, you know, yeah. and they're the ones that really, you know, I do support all of the different industry bodies trying to get rid of those people, but then you know the argument is it's a bit like with COVID. What's a red spot? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. you know which one is it? You know, yeah. but that's why getting back to the laser. You know, I mean, it it is a shocking thing that I can go and buy a laser and just sit you down and you know have a go at your face. You know, yeah. I do think that there needs to be national, um, you know, accreditation on who can use lasers. Yeah, well, even even generally, just on procedures because you've got. Doctors, cosmetic physicians, plastic surgeons, nurses, you've got all these different people that are all part of the same industry, but there's no overarching qualification to allow people to do these cosmetic procedures. And that's the problem because everyone thinks that their training is the best suited for that type of thing. We talk about this every yeah. second podcast. Yeah, don't we? yeah but the <laughs> overarching thing is you do have to be a registered healthcare yes. practitioner. You do have to have that. So you, you, you can safely, as a member of the public, assume that there is a minimum training. And then you have to do your research, you know. But it's so interesting about that whole turf war thing. I mean, Cosmeticon, which, you know, we'll talk about, which yes. is the, the conference that we run, the reason that I started it is we're the only, I like to say, non-denominational conference, yeah. you know. So, you know, for example, coming up in March, you know, I've got a panel on facial rejuvenation. I've got two plastic surgeons, a dermatologist, a cosmetic physician and a cosmetic nurse injector, all sharing the podium all equally respected because of their experience, not because of their qualifications. Yeah. And to me it's all about experience. You know, if if I personally want to go and have a procedure, I want to go to the person that only does that procedure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not I've got a better qualification. Oh, well, I've never done that before, but I do have a good qualification. You know, so 
to me, it's just do your research, you know. So, you know, we, we've said this on the podcast. I think we had Penny on and, yep. of course, we encourage people to, to do their research and, mm. and go and see a, an injector who's got some qualifications, but it doesn't mean anything because, you know, there isn't a qualification and people's research basically boils down to looking at their Instagram, doesn't it? It's ridiculous. But well, that, I would but hope that it doesn't, but I think um, it's really funny how things in life come full circle, but word of mouth... Yeah. It's big. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing, though. You don't believe what you read online anymore because there's so many fake well, reviews. Well, you hope that you don't. <laughs> well, you see it all the time. I mean, you see fake reviews. I mean, I don't believe a rating. Like, if I'm looking at somewhere and I see, like, five stars, I'm like, eh. Yeah. You've either yeah, been yeah. open for a week or that's all nonsense because no one's everyone's got something to complain about these days, so it's impossible that you've got a perfect track record. So I'll believe yeah, that's right. someone that's got, like, you know, a three-and-a-half, four-star rating mm. that's got all these reviews than mm. someone that's got mm. five because like, it's not real. Well, I think too, you know, it's it's a mistake to just go and see one practitioner. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, for the non-surgical tweaks, you know, you, you can get away with it more. But if you're going to have surgery or something serious, you know, you need to have a couple of different consultations. And it's not just about how good they are. You know, you have to have a relationship with your doctor. Absolutely. You know? We've actually got a new project called Aesthetic Advisor. Yes. Um, you know, it's based, I guess, um, on TripAdvisor, you yeah. know, I mean, it's sort of like if you're going to go away somewhere, you're going to look there and you're going to have a look at what's available, who's there, where should, what do they say about that. So with Aesthetic Advisor, we've got sort of all of the, uh, you know, the different products in the industry and whatnot, and we're just starting to launch that now. It will have reviews. It'll be a bit like a real self, yeah. but real self is just so huge, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's much more Australian-based, so it will be easier. Yeah. So we're just starting to launch that now. How are you planning to curate that? That's going to be quite the challenge in yeah, terms of, of making yeah. sure that the reviews are genuine. Yeah, and absolutely. But that's all part of, of making a good yeah. website that works, you know. So will people have to subscribe? Is it free? How, how does free. it work? And, and when will it officially have a website? And Look, the website is up and at the moment we've only got um, uh, uh, international doctors on it. So okay. it's just starting. We're just going to start to do it. We actually were about to launch it pre-COVID. Yeah, right. But, you know, you just it's not the right time. Yeah, yeah, you know? fair enough. So we're, we're picking that up again now. So. Kind of, where were you back? Obviously you've been in the industry a long time. What was the Australian injectable industry like when it first started? I'm really curious to know who was doing what and, and, and how. when did it explode? That's a really good question because, um, you know, as we said, it was just collagen. And, and you know, in those days, uh, all of the trainers were nurses actually, which okay. was quite interesting. Um, it really was the cosmetic doctors because the surgeons were, you know, it's a bit of a time and money thing, isn't it? You know, they were like, oh, you know, this is no good. You know, I can do one facelift and, you know. Be happy for the week, yeah. Yeah, you know. Whereas then I think for a lot of doctors, and, and the surprise for me was that dermatologists did not jump on the bandwagon because if you go to the US or to the UK, you know, a cosmetic dermatologist is your first stop for injectables. Yeah. That's not the case here. So I guess the cosmetic physicians, which are often um, – you know, I guess GPs who have who've gone more into that because they've seen a, a need for it, um, they were really the biggest group in the beginning, mm -hmm. you know. But I think the nurses now, you know, there are so many nurse injectors yeah. now, it's well, really taking over. Well, yeah. they equate to like 70% of the industry inject like the non-surgical space. 
So it's they massive. do, yeah, yeah, but in different, in in lots of different ways, you know. Yeah. So they seventy percent. Some are working with doctors. Yep. Some are working in groups. Um, they still need to have a doctor prescribe yes. for them unless they're obviously a um, practitioner, a nurse practitioner, and there are more nurse practitioners coming out. Yeah. Um, I think that it's good. I, I have no problem, you know, with their training. I think that um, one of the issues, and again, it's a big, big session that we have at Cosmeticon for both doctors and nurses, are what's your support system, mm. you know? And uh, yes, it's exacerbated with COVID and people feeling isolated, but, you know, you need to have a support system anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if, you, if something goes wrong, who can you turn to? Yeah, and I guess you know. that, that comes down to having trust as well because I think if I was a practitioner, one of the things that I'd be worried about is if I share these complications, people are going to judge me, they're going to think I'm a bad injector, there's going to be rumours started about me. So I think that people in some ways, and Jake maybe can speak on this as well, is having that support group around you where there's no judgement, everyone's yes. there to support each other because at the end of the day it's all about the patient, right? So yes. if you've got, you know, people like, you know, Jake, for yeah. example, and your support yeah. group and plastic yes. surgeons and people yes. that you can bounce ideas off, then everything, people are going to feel safe. They're going to feel safe to ask questions. They're going to be improving. They've got, as you said, a support network around them. And, and at the end of the day, the patient's going to be the one that really benefits. Yeah. Well, that's right. And there were also the insurance, um, you know, issues around that. So yeah. we've got um, a, one of the... Um, the lawyer, the counsel from um, Avant speaking about all oh, those yeah. medical Ruan? legal issues. Sorry? Is it Ruan? No, no. Andrew. Ah, oh, right. Yeah. So um, he's their head, head right. civil counsel. Um, but I think uh, the whole judgmental thing is it's, it is changing because yeah. people realise like it's just, I mean, you know, you know, in the last year there's been a lot of problems um, and, yes, a lot of judgment of, about it and as you said a lot of people using that as a political mm. platform um and people are saying okay you know we really do have to be more supportive of each other and i think there are networks forming yeah. you know well jake you've got a pretty amazing little network happening that you've got with lots of doctors and nurses around the world that you guys help each other out with stuff yeah look medicine's funny it's very tribal i mean i remember even as a you know first year doctor um, you know, you think you're just a doctor and everyone's going to be good to you, but then you realise there's the medics, the surgeons, and then mm. within that you've got the, the, the orthopaedics, yeah. the plastics, yeah. and the general surgeons, yeah. and it just becomes stupider and stupider. But you're right. Um, I think you touched on a good point earlier that most of us are independent practitioners, or, mm. or a lot of us are, mm. and so you really don't know what's going on out there until mm. you reach out and, mm. and, and actually deliberately, explicitly connect with people. Well, that's right. But also, as David said now with um, the internet, um, I noticed that there are a lot of closed Facebook groups yes. and also a lot of WhatsApp groups with trusting yeah. networks of doctors that they know. It's like, guys, look at this. What You know, what is yeah. this? Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and, and I think that's a very positive thing. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, the hive. David, is just, it called the hive? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, oh, you have one too, it, yeah. It became called the hive, not because anyone called it that. It was just like a, a network of, yeah, of, yeah, of yeah. people. Um, so, yeah, I, I sort of set up, I don't know, two years ago and there's about 50 or 60 of us sort yeah, of all Allegan trainers. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, you talk to people in Brazil and India. Yes, and yeah. You, you know, everyone's happy to talk about complications, new products, devices, screw-ups funny things, COVID, yeah. anything. Yeah. Well, and I know here in Australia, the cosmetic physician, the CBCA, they have a closed Facebook group for their members yeah. that's a safe place for them to discuss complications and whatnot. Yeah. You know, uh, 
I think that's going to become more the norm. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, getting back to the publication. Getting back to me. Yes. Getting back to Please you. Do. Anyway, back, to you <laughs> back to you, Michelle. <laughs> what would you uh, like to know? Um, transitioning from print to um, digital. Yes, yeah, yeah. What was the biggest challenge there? Um, it's really funny. Like it was hard to let go. Remember your <laughs> yeah. password? Like, Sorry? Yes. Remembering your yeah. password? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, I guess, okay, so from print to digital for the consumer magazine, uh, that was hard to let go. And in a funny way, that probably was the impetus then for me to look at, you know, the aesthetic medical practitioner, which is still hard copy. And uh, it's interesting because... I can't imagine, you know, Jake, you as a medical, you know, that you're going to sit down and flick through the whole magazine online. But if it's on your desk in between patients, people, they they say to me all the time, they pick it up, they read a bit, they pick it up, they read a bit. And we do get a lot of feedback about articles. I was just going to say, I'm I'm the first person to like more digital and not paper. But when it comes to things like that, and and funny enough, your copy is on the side of our kitchen island at home. Yeah. And I was just flicking through it today, not not to research, just because it was there. Yeah, that's right. And just something about that physical, I don't know, it's weird. Well, I think in this industry, definitely though, because it's... you know, the practitioners are time poor. Mm. You know, you do want to read it. We all have good intentions. But when it's actually there in front of you, yeah. you know. And it's interesting because it does drive quite a few people now to the website, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we live in the digital space. It's nice to have something, you know, that's tactile. You can touch it. You know, yeah, these magazines right. have a certain yeah. smell about Maybe them. Maybe direct mail will come back. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? It might. Yeah, that's right. But that's an interesting thing that you touch on because um, I think the whole sort of um, – demographic of patients is changing because, you know, the millennials will soon be the biggest group, you know, and they're so different because, uh, you know, my group as a baby boomer, we were like, oh, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody about it. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm, I'm ashamed of that self-care. I'm ashamed, you know, as we were saying about asking permission. But the millennials are just experiential. You know, they want to experience it all. They're happy to experience it and they want to show it on 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 their media, social media. Yeah. So I think that's changed a lot as well, which has made it more open, you know. Yeah, I think the millennials, you know, often get a bit of a bad rap for being a bit difficult and, you know, now, now, now. But actually, like you said, there are many positives to that. Yeah, you know, that's right. They're happy yeah. to share. There's no taboo. Yeah. Um, you know, those types of patients in the next five, ten years, when they do become the majority, are going to yeah. make this industry grow even more, even though yeah, it's already absolutely. exponential. Well, they just... 80, 81, getting into their 30s. So, you know, yeah, perfect demographic. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so in terms of um, the digital space, mm-hmm. did that see like your reach just, I mean, did things just automatically change overnight in terms of the people that were accessing your publications? Yes, in one way, because, you know, as I say, the consumer had become less of a focus and, then I sort of turned my attention back to it and it sort of shocked me. You know what I mean? I was like, wow, you know, how can we have that reach? Because we kept that reach um, really just, you know, um, for, I guess, patient stories, for um, case studies, for before and after, that sort of thing. Um, And then the reach was just, yeah, just phenomenal. You know, it is is quite surprising. I'm still sort of like, what am I going to do with it, you know? it's very interesting to me. Yeah. But it has definitely contributed as well, I think, to um, the aesthetic space. Yeah. Can I go, go back to the, the thing we were talking about, about sort of trying to be unbiased? Yes. Have you 
had any situations, and you don't have to say names, obviously, of, of where you did feel a bit strong-armed and people were trying to get you to do something you were less comfortable with? Um, well, as I said, you know, when I first started the magazine, um, I, I, you know, had done my research and seen that there were a couple of different societies, not anywhere near as many as now. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was wet behind the ears and I went to see them and, you know, and... Um, you know, they said, this will not work. This will only work if you partner with us and you only have members of our society in it. Mm. Um, otherwise, we will tell our members not to go in the magazine. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty full on. And yeah. I was like, oh, what will I do? You know, and I just thought, you know, it's like, you know, if you tie yourself to the devil, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the mafia. Yeah. And, yeah. and I really, we'll you know, you're I, dead. I look back yeah, at, exactly. you know, I look back at young Michelle, I'm sort of really proud of myself that I was like, you know, I'm just not going to be you know, strong-armed into that. Yeah. And so keeping that independence, I think, is what's made it successful, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, We spoke on the fact that nurses now seem to be the largest cohort of of providers in the the non-surgical space. What do you think has driven that? And do you think that's sort of something that's going to continue into the future? I can't see it stopping. I think that, um, you know, and, and... and why not? You know, it's it's training, isn't it? Um, it's the prescribing of the Schedule 4s that's the issue, I think, you mm. know. Um, you know, it's like anything. There, there are lots. It, it, when it started off, um, I think a lot of nurses were taken advantage of by doctors. Um, you know, they were reaping the rewards and, the, you know, the nurse was on, you know, yeah, um, 50 money. bucks an hour or something, yeah. you know, like that. So I think it's been a bit of empowerment for nurses who, you know, they do the training. Um I guess, you know, COVID and even before that, there was a lot of talk about, you know, the whole teleconferencing yeah. for that. Um, you know, it it obviously it does work because, you know, it's always been for sort of rural health and, and whatnot. I think that it's sufficient, but I think that for something that's sort of three-dimensional and you're talking about facial enhancement, I think that you do need to have face-to-face um, you know, there are certain circumstances, obviously, where that can't happen. Um, but, uh, you know, I can't see it stopping. I think that, you know, there are more and more nurses coming through. I was going to jump in there. So yes. the telehealth thing's interesting. and I, don't I have find any... it interesting too because there's so many different points of view. You know? I, I don't have any strong views on it. No, neither I mean, do I because I'm not involved. If it was I'm taken away involved, tomorrow, you know, I'd you know? say, well, if there's a good reason, so be it. And if it continues, great because our industry works with it. But... It's amazing, you know, since COVID, absolutely every medical specialty has pivoted yes. to virtual consultation. Yes. doesn't matter if you're a plastic surgeon. And the government has encouraged it. A GP doing COVID screening, whatever, and everyone's happy with it. Everyone has had positive um, feedback. Patients are enjoying it because they've got access to their mm. doctor whenever mm. they need it, and it works. Yet prior to that, it was like, you know, the, the terrible thing, all these, you know, greedy Botox doctors are, are sort of using this and abusing this th- and it's yeah. not right. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. And I think, though, um, you know, maybe there's something where your primary consult, you know, if, if you're a virgin face, you know what I mean? Like if yeah. you haven't had Botox or you haven't had filler yeah. before, probably you do need a closer thing. But once you've But the, the role midst, of the know, doctor is to prescribe so let's say you're a nurse in Wagga Wagga and you call, not me because I wouldn't script for someone in Wagga Wagga, but let's just use an example. The nurse is the 
treating uh, professional. She's calling the doctor for the authority to prescribe. The onus on the do- is on the doctor to say that he or she has actually done part of the consultation. That is the onus. No, you're right. And that's why it has to be visual. It, couldn't, it can't yeah, be an right. audio phone call. Yes. But, you know, if a nurse uh, makes a treatment suggestion of, I would like to do X amount mm. of units and a frown, and I can see someone frown, mm. it really is fairly simple. And that's how it has been been used, you know, so yeah. successfully. Um, but it's like know. a bell curve, isn't it? There's always going to be the simple one. And on the other end, there's always going to be the complicated one. So I think, yes, the doctor's role is to prescribe, but the doctor also has to be confident that it's the correct prescription. And as we said, you know, if it's just run of the mill in the middle of the bell, no problem. But I do think just sometimes, you know, the doctor may say, well, you know, I can see there's maybe this or that. Oh, trust me, I've done that, yeah. Yeah, you know, so I think, um, you know, I guess, you know, you're, as, as a generalisation, yes, but, you know, unfortunately there's always that. Yeah, yeah. and just to balance that argument so I don't yes. sort of come across as blasé, you can't be that doctor who's like, yeah, yeah, yeah sure, go, yeah, go, that's go for right. it. And there yeah. are, you know, going back to what we said, you know, there are those doctors sitting in a little dark room, never seen the patient, never done it, writing 100 scripts a day, and yeah. that's that's the sort of thing that all of yeah. the industry bodies want to get together and yeah. say this is not okay. And David, it really is for the patient safety. Yeah, absolutely. You know? like it's like, you well, know? I mean, technology is getting better. I mean, eventually, I mean, I went and had a treatment um, at Shape Clinic with um, Dr. Lim a few weeks ago for some mm-hmm. threads. Mm-hmm. And um, she was taking photos with a camera and then it, it transferred like it, the photos come up on her on her screen yeah, and it's it 3 it, it, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. maybe that's something that's going to happen in the future, Jake, is that, you know, you'll get photos of a patient and you'll be able to see like a 3D vector image. It'll actually come up on your phone so you can actually yeah. see the face. Yeah. in a three-dimensional kind yeah. of way, which would make, which would, I guess, alleviate yeah. something. Which is not necessary all the time. It's a bit like, you know, when yeah. you, you know, you worry about hitting a nerve and I'm sure you do, you know, with all of that stuff. And then, you know, people are saying, well, they should be ultrasound guided. You know, I mean, is every person going to have an ultrasound guided Botox? I don't think so, you mm. know. And, and yet it's a bit like, and then there's the one where it should have been, you know. So I think, you know, you have to, to, to have regulations that deal with the majority of people's safety, you know, and there's always going to be an aberration no matter what we're in. Yeah, agree. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about the 3D imaging, Jake? Do you uh, no? It, it gets to the point where if you're going to take it to that degree, I think the the, the doctor should just treat that patient if, you know, yeah, if, if right. you're going to take yeah. it to that um you know, degree. This is about safety. Is does the patient have any significant contraindications? That's right. Yeah, that's, um, the, that's the main thing, isn't you know, it? The, you know, that, that's the purpose of the the scripting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you know, the technology's great though, because you and I both had that SkinCeuticals thing for custom days yeah, yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And that was, you know, they take the photo day yeah. and night of your face. I'm just, you know, like they said, you've got the most sun damage, Michelle, that we've ever seen. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm like, give me that custom dose. Did, they, did they whack up your retinol? And- <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and that's technology. Yeah. You know, and people expect it. You know, that's the thing. As technology increases, people want that. You yeah. Know? It's very interesting. Tell us about the black book. Well, the black book is, is really, I love the whole thing. It's like, not my little black book. That'll be when I retire. No. <laughs> um, look, the black book is really just a resource um, for clinics. Yep. Right. And so the reason for that is that there 
unfortunately, again, it's the thing with regulation. There are a lot of devices that are coming into Australia that are not TGA registered. Mm. Um, you know, it's very easy in a clinic for someone to come in, a good salesperson, and say, hey, this is a great device. You don't know what the after sales service is like. You don't know um, the quality of the device. You don't know the guarantee. Um, so the Black Book really is uh, a resource for all of those clinics and it has uh, the companies, it has about the company, the company's ethos, their training, um, and it also has all of the different devices and cosmeceuticals. So it's hard copy, which all is sent to all of the clinics, but it's also online. And the online one is, you know, it's got all the cross-referencing. You can search by company, you can search by device, you can uh, search by uh, technology, you know, you can radio frequency and all of those things yep. come up. So really it's a resource book and it's an annual that we've come up with that, um, you know, hopefully will become the Bible of resources, you know. Where do you find the time to do all this stuff? It's <laughs> <laughs> got a great team. Oh my God. Do I sleep? do have a great team. Do you, you sleep? I, mean, yeah, I have a great team. Wow. So um, Cosmeticon is coming up. I know. In March gosh. 21. So it's from the 4th to the 7th Yeah, look, of it was March. touch and go, touch yeah. and go. Well, we went to the one last year. It was fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, great it was down good. at the Inter Intercontinental yes, Hotel. Yes, we always have it down there in Double Bay. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a good, it's a very good, um, I, I think uh, the way that, that the hotel is set up, it's very good for a conference because you can have networking, you can have different breakout rooms and the bar is very close. <laughs> <laughs> bar was very good Thursday night. I remember that. Yeah, that's yeah, right. I mean, Particularly with the BTL team. Yeah, Gareth. No, uh, that's right. <laughs> Look, but, but you should buy shares in the bar at the Intercontinental yeah, when right. uh, BTL are there. Yeah, really. <laughs> so for Aussies who haven't been to Cosmeticon, I mean, it's always described as, you know, the more boutique conference yes. and last year was my first time. It was great. But how would you describe what the offering is compared to, say, some of the, you know, the, the big ones like non-surgical? Look, I think, um, and I did touch on it before, you know, it, it is welcoming to everybody in the industry. And it is the only conference in Australia that is not associated, medical conference, that is not associated with an industry body, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and we really do, you know, the first facial rejuvenation session has two plastic surgeons. We have um, Dr. Joni Amtu from, you know, the US will also be speaking. He's well respected. We've got um, a nurse practitioner speaking and two cosmetic physicians all on the same panel, all being asked questions and nobody's like, oh, you're just a nurse or you're just this or, you know. So mm. for me it's it's very important that people can come somewhere, have access to, you know, like when, when would they be able to network with these people otherwise? Yeah. You know, so for me it's a huge networking opportunity as well. And I'm, I'm always really proud of the program because it's a diverse program with input from all of the different sort of levels, I guess, if you want. You yeah. Know? So you'll go th Thursday, Friday, Saturday, March We're 4th. not having Sunday this year. Yeah. Um, well, the Sunday is always the business of beauty day. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing with that, we now have a business section a session included in the main program. Yeah. Um, and the Sunday will just be a, um, a laser training certification. Okay, great. Of course, yeah. So so how do you break up those days? Is, is Thursday sort of more workshoppy and, and sort of a pre-event? So, look, interestingly enough, we were approached, last year was the first year that we did it, um, and again, I think because of that whole, you know, non-judgmental thing. So the um, Australian College of Nursing, they run a full day 
workshop in conjunction with us. Yeah. So it's a separate thing but we advertise it on the website. So that's on the Thursday. That's an advanced um, nursing workshop. Mm-hmm. And then A5M, which is the Australasian Anti-Aging um, Association, they uh, used to have their own workshop. Oh, sorry, their own conference. Yeah. Um, but they now come on and they have their full day workshop again associated with us, but yeah. not separate delegates. You know. Um, and then we have a, just a full day workshop that is on um, thread lifting and filler. Okay. Right. Yeah, so. And you're gonna have trade there as well, like the trade show. In well, terms Friday and Saturday yes. is a really big trade show, and yep. I mean it's it's a great trade show because it's so close. And again, you know, actually that's interesting. It just occurred to me that's one of the biggest differences. Yeah. I've just I so encourage all of the trade to get together to be supportive of each other. Um, you know, it, it, we're all people. It's the same with medicine. You know, we just go to work. It's not our life, and it doesn't hurt to be helpful and kind to other people. You know, yeah. how hard is that? You know, I remember just at the tail or or even mid-Cosmeticon last year when we were there, um, COVID had just sort yeah, of just hit, read it but it too. wasn't yeah, in yeah. Australia yet. No, that's right. And I remember, um, you know, a couple of your guests talking to them and a couple of them got sort of stuck in countries or they yes, were late yeah, or yeah. delayed. And so how, how has this whole year impacted the planning for this Cosmeticon? I mean, it must have been a nightmare. Huge, yeah. Look, you know, I don't know. It was so funny. We were, like, we were the first and last aesthetic conference in Australia last yeah, year. Right. And touch wood, you know, um, hoping to be the first this year. So touch and go in as much as planning goes. In one way, um, unfortunately, we can't have the international speakers that we normally do. But in another way, it's good because rather than, you know, there are speakers, you know, for example, you know, Dr. Niamtu, you know, for me to pay to fly him out and everything, and he's just agreed to to do the talk. So in a way you can get bigger names. You know, we've got Mitch Goldman, we've got, you know, you know, heaps of speakers. So rather than being here, I guess, in person, there will be some component that is streaming. And so COVID has, I guess, you know, prepared people for that whole Zoom experience and for the streaming experience. And a, but a virtual conference is never the same as face-to-face. Yeah, agreed. You know, so with with Cosmeticon, there's I think probably maybe four or five sessions, on, like 15-minute blocks only, and the rest is all local faculty. Mm-hmm. But um, that whole Zoom boom thing is another phenomenon, isn't it, you know? It's well, like, we've yeah. had to do it for the podcast yeah. as well. And, and you're absolutely right. We hated Zoom when we first started yeah, it. Yeah. And, and the quality was rubbish. And yeah. um, we've now invested in this thing on the floor called the Roadcaster, which has meant that David and I can at least Zoom in the same room together. Yes. Yeah, and, yeah. and have studio quality mics. But like you said, we've now got the pick of anyone in the yeah. world rather than that's right. having yeah. to know someone yeah, or, or right. get them here in the room like yourself. But, yeah. th- but this is the gold standard, you know, talking to someone face to face. And that's why, you know, it's really amazing. Um, we're already at more delegates registered this year than we were at this time last year. Brilliant. It's just, you know, it's crazy. And I think people are starved of it. Yeah. You know, so they want that face-to-face. Well, it's as we said, it's not, I mean, I would say more than 50% of a conference is networking with peers. Yes. You know, so you can learn definitely online, but that networking you can't, you can't replace. And it. a few of these. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention the dance floor, although that may be a bit, you know. <laughs> You're going to pull out a moonwalk this year, Jake. 
It depends how many. Uh, it's Studio Fifty Four. Yeah, Jack. how many yeah. shandies? Yeah. There yeah, is yeah, a yeah. prize for the best disco costume. I can see you. Uh, you know, <laughs> a bit of John Travolta going on but, there. You know, I and I think. Look, I think we're known for. It's a bit like you know, like I have that silly side, but there's always, you know, you always have, you know, the real issue at, at heart. You know, so yes, it's educational, but gosh, you know, it can be fun as well. Yeah. You know? How do you set up a conference? It sounds like such a nightmare, organising all the people, the space, the like. And then there's always the chicken or the egg thing because I guess you've got to make sure you've got enough trade to cover well, the event. you know that we originally ran the um, the ACCS conference. So we started that. Right. Um, gosh, that's 16 years ago. Yep. You know, they wanted to have a conference. They'd had one. Um it didn't do well, they weren't going to have it again. And I said, look, I'm happy to underwrite it, you know. Um, so we started that. Uh, that then turned into uh, Cosmetics. Yep. Um, and then we, uh, you know, didn't didn't do it for them anymore. They had put it out to, you know, contract. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we already had that experience. And then when I just saw what was happening in all of the, con- you know, like there was, you know, you, you would have been aware of it, Jay. You know, you, you people were banned from that conference or you couldn't come if you weren't registered as, I just thought that's just not what a conference is about. Yeah. And it's what we said, the networking is so important. And that's why four years ago I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go back into it and do it the way that I want to do it, you know. And, I mean, you've got to care for the trade. You've got to care for the delegates. You've got to care for the speakers. And I know it sounds corny, but, like, I really do, you know, like I want yeah. I want everybody there to be successful. Yeah. And, you know, the more successful they are, the more successful we are. That's life, you know. Yeah. But where do you start with it? <laughs> For someone that's like thinking, oh, where do I start with this kind of thing? I mean, how do you even – what are the first steps of even putting together a conference? Uh, you can't do it unless you – you know, no conference is ever going to work without trade. Yes. You know, and because of my background, the trade – trusted me. Yep. You know, the first one they all said, if you're going to do it, Michelle, we know it's going to work. Well, once you've got that financial commitment, you can yep. make it work. Yeah. Whereas someone who's coming in that doesn't have the contacts, Pretty you know, tough. they're untried, you know. So, uh, you know, I guess it was my, it's like that thing, there's no such thing as an overnight success, is there? <laughs> you know, that was the 20 years leading up to it that those trust issues have have made it work. Yeah. And I guess each one that you do, you learn, you implement. So I'm sure there's going to be yeah, things that's right. this year that you didn't do last yeah, year. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And exactly. presumably you needed a good insurance policy this year with uh, COVID. <laughs> well, you know, um, oh, it was not silly, you know. So you can't insure it. But what I did, I, I had written into my contract with the hotel that um, whenever the borders were closed that they would be happy to keep postponing it. Okay. Yeah. So, you know. It's, it seems pretty logical now. You know, everyone's yeah. used to it now. Yeah, well, it's that's just right. normal. I mean, I've had so many it's... flights booked to interstate, and I've got about twenty vouchers now. Because yeah. you know, normally they'd say, "Sorry, you can't have your money back." Yeah, but no, it's just right. normal now. Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, you published a great article about uh, starting a podcast before Christmas. <laughs> I know. I mean, I can't believe it. I had so many complaints about it. Oh. <laughs> they were like, would you let those two clowns write for? Yeah. I mean, do you get feedback on articles like that? Yeah, we do. Yeah. We really do. Yeah. It's interesting because, um, you know, the doctors mainly, I mean, even just – so just for example, Ricky Allen wrote one last time, um, you know, on, on um, skincare. Yep. You know, in a thing, 
that was like reshared and republished. She had phone calls from it, you know. Um, the podcast one was great, you know, but, I mean, it's not like, you know, you're not going to have people ring you and go like, I want to start a podcast, yeah. you know what I mean? But the feedback was definitely good. Yeah. Great. Well, funny enough, we did actually have a DM the other day, didn't we? And yes. someone, it was a cosmetic nurse, I went and mentioned her name and she said, I love what you guys are doing. It's so awesome. I'm going to give it a crack. I'm going to oh, try my own podcast. I was like, awesome. Go for it. Just, you know, just, just think about your listeners. Don't, yeah, don't think about right. what you want to do. Yeah, that's think right. Think about your listeners. That's right. Or your readership of doing yeah, what you're no, doing. That's what I always do. It's And you always have to put yourself, what do I want to read about? You know, what do I, I don't want to have a biased story in my face, so neither will my readers, you know. Yeah. So. Is there a podcast on the horizon for your company at any stage no. in the future? No. No, no. It's not you? No, not me. <laughs> not me. you got to stick to your core business, yeah, you know. Sure. She can just be VIP on podcasts. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Yes, well, that could be a future for me now. <laughs> yes. Well, you were tough to get on. You're you're a tough egg to crack, tough nut oh, to crack. Look, actually, it's so interesting. I've been asked, seriously asked to yeah. do so many, and yours is the only one that I've decided oh, because I like honored. the way... That there you, you guys go. work. We've got that reach now, David. <laughs> no, tell you what. They'll be coming to us. We can <laughs> put our whip away. <laughs> I noticed that um, line out outside. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think it's the way of the future. And I mean, you're you're both speaking at Cosmeticon, which yeah. is great in the business thing. And it's, again, it's, you know, podcasts, it's a different way of learning, a different way now of actually relating to people. And I think that that will be a very good um, presentation. What, yeah. What's the title of our presentation? <laughs> Podcasts, how learning has changed with COVID. You can change it, okay. you, like. you can make it no, more. That's, that's good. That's good. We, can, we can work with that. Yeah. You know. Well, it's, I mean, we've had to adapt, as Jake said, like most of our discussions now are on Zoom, really. I mean, having you in the studio is a treat for us. We do maybe mm. in studio once a month. Most of the time we're doing them with Zoom. But, but yeah. It not that amazing though with the Zoom now because I've spoken to a lot of practitioners. It's really driven sort of the whole injectable market and whatnot oh. through the roof. Everyone's like, oh, my God, I saw myself on Zoom. The know? Zoom boom. The Zoom boom, that's right, you know, because, because people see face. that frozen face. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. you get a, a, a halt in your internet connection and you're pulling this weird face. Well, I've worked out after my first one, I realised that people really did not want to see up my nostrils, so now I've raised it <laughs> yeah. higher, you know. It's a skill, isn't it? It's a steep you know? learning curve. Yeah, really. That actually reminds me, we need to finalise an article for Michelle yes. on how to Zoom like a pro. That's yes. right. So uh, we'll have that to you by the end. That'll of the week. be in the next issue, everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> next issue. Watch well, out. We've learned. Jeez, it's been it's been oh tough. My God. But as still I said, learning. This piece of equipment definitely has helped because at least we're in the same room now. Because before you'd be like at your house, I'd be at my house, then you'd mm. have someone else anywhere else in the world, and it just the mechanics, the dynamics, just the flow just wasn't the same. Oh, it made the editing a nightmare because we'd constantly talk over each other. Um, yeah, that's right. Not, but isn't it wonderful that? Technology. I mean, for all its drawbacks, it's just yeah. so fabulous, isn't it? You know, I love it when I look at my phone and I think all of the knowledge in the whole world is in this phone. Yeah, it's crazy. It's mind-blowing. You know? It is. It's changed the way we, we think. We've yeah. become good gatherers of information but not good holders of information. Yeah, I that's a good point. I don't remember phone numbers anymore. I remember, no. you know, 10, 20 years ago you'd be able to rattle off yeah, you know, totally. the 20 people that you spoke to the most, their phone numbers. I can't, I don't even know my partner's phone I'm number. I'm so glad you said know. that, David. I thought it was an age thing with me. But no, thank you. I think your mind, I think your brain just says, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to hold on to that information anymore. And it just, it just, I just like, remember my UK like number. Sat, sat nav, isn't it? You yeah, know, weird. like I, sometimes I go, you know, I 
see a friend in French's forest. I've been there 10 times. But I still put the sat-nav on yeah. now because yeah. I'm so lazy. I don't remember well, it. Also you know? now it gives you redirect because it now can see the traffic. Yeah, that's and right. How fantastic is know. that? You know, or there's a police car hiding. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah, I love that. You wouldn't be speeding, would you? Never. Never. No. Not me, yeah. So talking about technology, uh, sort of final questions. What are you most excited about for 2021, whether it's your conference, obviously, devices, new cool stuff, tech? Yeah, I mean – on a personal level, you know, with the with Bella Media, we've got some interesting things coming up. You know, I think I mentioned before um, with Cos Beauty, you know, I had to really put my thinking cap on, um, watch this space. You know, we're we're currently working, you know, just between us, no one can hear, you know, yeah. on a, a Chinese version of that oh, right. um, because of the reach. Yeah. Um, but I think industry-wise, it's so interesting. There's just been such a sort of huge expansion of the body sculpting, body contouring stuff. Mm. Um, It's just everywhere. And and it's so funny, I just, I can't understand how liposuction fell by the wayside. You know, it's just, I mean, cost-wise, you know, by the time you have three or four of those... I don't know. Or maybe it's just that I've got so much I would need liposuction. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Lipo is an interesting one, I think, because from my experience anyway, it's a procedure that – not a lot of doctors like to do. Anymore, that's right. They've it's, got RSI. <laughs> yeah, well, it's quite physically demanding. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I think that, say, plastic surgeons probably do it a lot when it's part of an overarching yeah, procedure, like true. a mummy makeover, but just to do yes. it in isolation, perhaps yep. they'd yep. rather spend or their time doing it. finer work now, maybe supplemental. Yeah, correct. Chin, yeah. And if you screw it up, God, it's hard to fix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. But I think, uh, you know, that's one of the things that always surprises me because it seems to be... You know, it can be now with technology a straightforward procedure. You know, fat's gone forever and you know what you're going to get. Maybe it's the recovery or something. You know, but it's not that bad, is it? Two weeks, you know. Yeah, I think it's getting better. I think that – I mean, I know that um – Cosmos Clinic does a lot of it and they've refined their technique yeah. down a lot. They've got people that specially yeah, yeah. massage the patient, like super yeah, that's lymphatic right. drainage. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've got it down to a pretty fine art, I think. You know yeah. a lot about it, David. Yes, I do. <laughs> There you go. Something you want to tell us? <laughs> no wonder he was rubbing his tail. He does look good. I know, right? <laughs> so those six-pack, that's not yours. No, no, no. no. It's, it's, actually, it's actually a one-pack at the moment. It's been sculpted yes. in with a vaser. Yeah. Um, so how can people get in touch with you or, or book for Cosmeticon, should I say? And... Um, is there any special yes. offer or is, or is the in early fact, bird thing kind of gone now? The is early it? bird thing has gone, but we have set up a code that will work um, from this afternoon. Awesome. So it's um, IAVIP. Okay. Awesome. And if they, at the end when they register, they'll get 25% discount wow. on their registration. So, yeah, they just put IAVIP in the code at the end. So you get 20 What's the cost? It varies. So, right. um, you know, nurses and yeah, right. practice managers, they're so all different costs. 25% is still huge. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. We appreciate that. Thank, Thank you. you. And Michelle. if they hurry, there are a few tickets left. <laughs> but we're limited now with COVID. We can only have 160 to the dinner. Yes. Right. So that's going to go pretty quickly. So, yeah. I hear the dinner's pretty uh, wild. It is. This will be an interesting one. Right. I'm looking forward. <laughs> I, must, I must learn more. I think it would be especially wild. People won't be used to being out anymore. Yes. <laughs> yeah, be like, well, what is true. this, people? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Jake's wife will be calling me going, I haven't seen Jake in three days. Do you, <laughs> do you know where he is? And you'll be like, Jake who? Jake Yeah, I saw him at the bar with Gareth. I don't know what happened after that. But no, it'll be good. But And you guys will be there doing yes. some podcasts yes, and interviewing the you know, the speakers. So yeah, last great. year, um, I guess a bit more of a learning exercise, we, we came and we actually – 
sort of informally spoke to a few people in the corridor. We, we sort of attempted to do some interviews and then we said, this is stupid, come to the studio. So I, I yeah. became like the, the, yes. the Uber taxi driver, yeah. driving well, we, people back and forth. You know, we've. I, I was saying to David before that there's a room that you can use if yeah. you want there. That'd be so. good. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, actually with this kit, it, it, it might actually be the first time where we could just bring a yeah, handful of things and have this type compact. of quality. Yeah. 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 That'd be fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. Only, awesome. Only what? Eight weeks or so to go. We've are you gosh. kidding me? It's not even four, please. Is it? Hold on. We're oh, yeah, we are. Yes. Oh. It's February now. Wow. If I had eight weeks, I'd be the happiest girl. Wow. Four so weeks. I have to deal with David's Alzheimer's brain. Yes. I feel for you. <laughs> <laughs> so how can people get in touch with you, Michelle? We've spoken about Cosmeticon, but if people want to reach out, get some advice, maybe uh, yeah. advertise in your publications, find out about any of the stuff yeah, we spoke absolutely. about. Well, we've got our B2B website, which is yeah. Bella Media, but my email is easy. We make it easy for everybody. It's just our first name at bellamedia.com.au. Yeah. So it's Michelle at bellamedia.com.au, Bill, etc. So, et so, so if yeah. your name's Michelle and you want a job at Bella Media, no chance unless you <laughs> yeah, change it. That's right. You're in trouble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the social media, are you on Instagram and so Yes, on? yeah, yeah, we are. We've, we've got Cos Beauty and um, yep. we've got um, AMP, all of that, so... Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thanks for joining us. Well, it's We've, been a we lot finally of fun. got there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't as scary as you imagined, I hope. Well, it's not the scariness, it was the trust factor. Ah. You see, you two are just so, you know. Yeah, like, oh, I was going to say wholesome, but I was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> 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 no, it's been great. And, and I've listened to your podcast and I, I really respect what you do. So oh, I you. was happy to come on. That's awesome. really nice feedback, thanks, Michelle. Thank you. And we'll see you in four weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Take thanks, guys. Michelle. Thank Bye. you. For our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at inside underscore aesthetics. During the week before every recording, look out for our Instagram stories as we'll give you the opportunity to submit your questions to our guests and get a shout out. You can also DM us for any other information, suggestions or guest requests.